Hi, this is Stuart Weems and welcome to the Investopoly podcast. My goal is to give you simple, easy to understand strategies, insights and tips to help you master the game of building wealth. And in this episode, what I'd like to talk about is should you change your investment strategy to suit your borrowing capacity or should your borrowing capacity accommodate your investment strategy? It might sound like I'm playing with words a little bit, but actually I really want to make a, a very important point because with the tightening credit environment, uh, people's borrowing capacity is obviously contracted and that's impacted their capacity to be able to invest. So let me share an example. You know, Let's assume that you as an investor a few years ago decided that part of your investment property included acquiring two investment properties, two investment assets, for around about 750 grand each. So really $1.5 million spread across two assets. Uh, a few years ago, you purchased the first of those two investment properties for $750,000, and now you're turning your mind to acquiring the second. However, your inquiries have revealed that your borrowing capacity is actually uh, contracted and now your maximum affordability is an investment for $400,000. And this situation begs the question, you know, what do you do? And I guess there's a two thesis to, to my uh, podcast uh, today. And the first thing is never compromise on the quality of assets. And the second is that there's always, or quite often always, a couple of ways to skin a cat. So it's so that that is that we shouldn't get stuck or have blinkers on thinking there's only one strategy. You know, the property acquiring a property is the only way to go. We need to think a little bit wider and understand that with the same sort of evidence based, rules based strategies, we can potentially achieve the same or similar outcomes with different asset classes. And so um, I'm concerned that the contraction of borrowing capacity will actually force or promote people to invest in subpar quality assets. So anyway, putting that aside for a second, what do you do in a situation where your strategy that you formulated a few years ago is no longer implementable because of the contraction and borrowing capacity? Well, um, I sort of believe you've got three options given that situation. You can obviously reduce your budget and invest in property. Uh, you can potentially uh, invest in alternative locations, so maybe regional uh, location. Uh, maybe your money will buy you a, a greater piece of land in that in a, a regional location as opposed to a capital city location. Number three, you could invest in other assets. And number four, maybe you can wait, do nothing, and see if things change, see if uh, credit policy loosens up again. So I'd just like to talk about each of those uh, options and the, the pros and cons, or, or maybe more correctly, the cons of each. So let's talk about reducing the budget. Well, my main concern with reducing the investment budget is that you're almost always going to reduce the quality of the asset that you're investing in. So $750,000, the original budget, would have allowed you to invest in Melbourne, for example, uh, a two-bedroom apartment, and in Brisbane, potentially even a house. Uh, pretty close to the CBD in a really good quality area. Um, whatever way you want to cut it, 750 is a pretty decent budget and you shouldn't have to make many or any compromises in terms of the quality of the asset you're investing in. So put differently, you can go and buy yourself a 10 out of 10 property and again, not have to make any compromises whatsoever. However, with a budget of 400000 uh, you're going to have to make some compromises. It'll be an entry-level property at best. 
and um, and as a result, the quality of that asset won't be 10 out of 10. Maybe it'll be close to 7 out of 10 or 6 out of 10, but either way you cut it, a lesser quality asset is um, almost always going to produce lower returns. So is there really any need or is it really a good strategy to invest in average or below average quality investment style assets? In my book, no. You either do it properly or you don't do it at all. So it all comes down to quality with the investments. At the end of the day, quality persists a lot longer than any other element. So don't do that. Don't reduce the budget. Number two, go regional. Okay, so instead of buying in Melbourne, maybe buy in Geelong, or instead of buying in Sydney, maybe you buy in Wollongong, something along those lines. So that's a potential option too. Um, but we have to make friends with the fact that de- the imbalance of supply and demand in those regional locations isn't as stark as it is in the capital city locations, plus also the level and depth of demand underlying or underpinning the market uh, isn't nearly as deep as well. So these markets can potentially have more volatility and they can be impacted um, to a greater extent by even just one or two industry or even major employer changes within the area in terms of population growth and employment prospects and these sorts of things. And employment, uh, sorry, population is driving a lot of the, at a macro level, driving a lot of the property market and the demand for property and for land. And, and obviously, interstate migration, you know, Victoria and, and Queensland are benefiting the most from that, uh, and New South Wales getting punished. Um, but uh, overseas migration, certainly Sydney and Melbourne, uh, absorbing most of the overseas migration as well. So um, the overseas migrants aren't necessarily, or more of them are going to be moving to capital cities than regional centres. So if you're going to go regional, ironically... I reckon you would increase the budget. If you're going to invest in a regional town, in my in my opinion, you'd want to make sure that you buy an absolutely quality asset. And to be honest, I think that's going to be mean that you spend more than 400000 Uh Certainly, if you look at the Melbourne versus Geelong, if I was going to buy a, a, a property in Geelong, I'd probably buy a house. Uh, in in Newtown or you know a really good quality established suburb like that, good land value component, old style property, you know it's probably going to cost me eight hundred thousand to a million dollars at least. I would have thought. Um, if I spent less than that, I think I'm going to take too many compromises. So let's uh, ignore regional as an option. Uh, other assets. So it's possible to use gearing to invest in other assets. So uh, a good example might be a leg- what I call a regular gearing strategy. So in that situation, what you might do is access some equity in existing property, let's say one or $200,000. And just to use some round numbers, what you might do is say draw $1,000 a month out of the loan, put in $1,000 of your own cash from your surplus cash flow, uh, and invest $2,000 in a diversified share portfolio and look with the portfolio you can accommodate some of the risks that are currently facing in terms of what the u.s market is doing whether it's towards the late cycle uh, and whether europe and possibly even japan uh, have a a little bit better upside Uh, plus also in the aussie market that's been dominated that is dominated by the top 10 companies make up 40 percent of the index that creates some challenges as well but look you can accommodate that using various index strategies not just traditional market cap indexing but various index strategies and i believe you could develop a portfolio that is relatively low risk or lower risk because of diversification uh, and is going to perform well in the future 
Uh, and what you'd be doing then is investing $2,000 a month, uh, each month, uh, for, for a period of time until you absorbed most of the lending or whatever lending you thought was appropriate. Obviously, from a mathematical standpoint, there's lower gearing rates in that regular share investment strategy. Um, so mathematically, even assuming the same investment returns, it won't be as powerful as investing in property. However, it will stand the test of time. You know, again, it's the quality of the asset and no matter what is sort of thrown your way, uh, given the length of time and, and uh, passage of time, that, that, that investment will certainly work. And, and these days you don't have to pick stocks, you don't have to pick shares. In fact, I'd, I'd say definitely don't do that. Again, using broad-based market exposures. And if you're starting small, um, Vanguard has a diversified uh, ETF, so you can just buy one stock. That'll give you exposure to the Australian and international markets, smaller companies, emerging markets, and bonds all in one trade. So it's quite quite easy to do, very simple, and it's a good strategy. Fourth option is wait. Wait to see what happens. Will credit loosen up? Um, it look. It depends on how far away you are from borrowing capacity perspective. So if your strategy or goal was to buy something for seven fifty, and at this stage you can only afford six fifty, well maybe waiting a little bit of time, maybe that'll solve the problem. If you're way off from borrowing capacity perspective, well, then potentially waiting um, isn't going to change anything. Uh, will credit loosen from here? Well, I think there's a, a reasonable, arguable possession that position you could take to say it will. Uh, will it get back to where it was? I think that's very unlikely. Um, I don't think it will stay as tight as it is today uh, for any extended period of time. So when I say extended period of time, maybe longer than two years, uh, because I think it really put a lot of pressure on the growth in the property market. Um, but it also wouldn't be building a strategy uh, with the assumption that uh, it will loosen up considerably and go back to similar levels where it used to be. Uh, so maybe waiting may or may not be, depending on your situation and goals, uh, the right thing to do. So as I said at the beginning of the podcast, the two themes underlying uh, the, the point or the thesis that I'm trying to uh, get across to you here is if you find that your borrowing capacity has contracted to such an extent that you can no longer implement the strategy that you mapped out for yourself a few years ago, don't feel compelled to try and find some sort of asset that's going to fit your strategy. Um, because what you'll end up doing is compromising on the quality of the asset. And if you're going to hold that property for 20 years, even a small difference in compounding growth, even a 1% or 2% difference in compounding capital growth will be several hundreds of thousands, potentially even close to millions of dollars over a passage of a long period of time, 20 or 30 years. And it's just not necessary to make those compromises. Instead, make sure your investment strategy is underpinned by really good quality assets. I mean, it makes sense, right? The quality of your assets will determine your outcomes. Secondly, don't be, don't be blinkered. Don't just think just because you mapped out buy another investment property a couple of years ago that that's the only path from here. There are alternative asset classes. There are alternative strategies that you can employ that are still low-risk, understandable, uh, rules-based, evidence-based strategies that are proven to work. Okay, so that's it. I hope that's been helpful. Until next week, bye for now.